Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Master at making chaos out of our lives, chaos out of our situations, chaos out of our circumstances, bringing confusion and fear and uncertainty and stress and worry uh, based on what's happening or what's going on in the world around us. And it's easy in life for us to get so caught up in what we can see and what we feel and how we feel that we become so overwhelmed that we begin to give up or we begin to settle for what we're currently facing or what we're currently up against. The enemy uses these schemes and these tactics so that you and I will ultimately surrender what God has called, placed, and positioned us for such a time as this to contend for as the body of Christ. When I say contend for His promise in your life, I mean fight for the will of God and the promise of His Word to come to pass in your life. Don't settle for what you can see because the moment that we fix our eyes on what we can see, we disqualify ourselves from the power of God that breaks the strongholds, that breaks the tactics, that destroys the schemes, that overrides the lies of the enemy to bring about the will of God in our lives. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for this season in your life. Don't settle for the present and surrender, but hold true to the word of God and the power of it and watch as heaven works in your midst to bring about the fulfillment of his word and the promises that he has for you. Amen. So this morning, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, uh, this message, as I was praying about this message and talking to the Lord about it, the Lord gave me this illustration. And I, you know, I thought, I thought a lot of David and Goliath and, and the encounter that they had, uh, that they had in that moment. And the Lord gave me this illustration that I'm going to use today. And so I'm going to ask Titus to come help me. I'm going to ask uh, my nephew to come here. And uh, you know what we're about to do? What are we about to do? What are we about to do? You're not telling. Okay, all right. Well, how about we just do it, all right? So today I asked Titus when he came into, uh, when he came into work, and Titus thinks he comes to work. And so I asked him when he came in, I said, Titus, do you know how to arm wrestle? And he said, yeah. And so I told him, I said, well, good. I said, in church this morning, you and I are going to arm wrestle. Are you ready? Do you need a chair? You want your dad to bring you a chair? Can you bring him a chair? I think he has a little bit of a disadvantage. <clears throat> All right, so I just want to know, for curiosity's sake, who do you guys think is going to win this competition, me or Titus? Ta-da, he said. <laughs> of course you did. Okay, so uh, for those of you online that couldn't hear the crowd, they all said Titus, except for the few faithful that are in this place. Um, I'm going to try one more time. Do you guys think Titus is going to win, or do you think I'm going to win? Okay. All right. So I got to thinking about, I got to thinking about, you know, ta-da. Yeah. I got to thinking about the parallel of, of David and Goliath and, and the, the image that that sets into motion and that sets into place. And the Lord gave me this illustration today. And I, and I want to share, I want to share this illustration with you of, of us against the enemy's schemes, against the enemy's tactics and how God works in our lives. 
you know, a lot of times we, we feel overwhelmed by the size of the impossibility that's in front of us. We feel overwhelmed by the situations and the circumstances that are ahead of us. Huh? Let's do this again. Okay, in just a second. And, uh, you know, we, we get faced by those impossibilities and we miss those moments of seeing God do some incredible things in our lives because when we look at what we can see, if we become overwhelmed, too oftentimes, more often than not as the church, we surrender our position, we surrender our place, and we become overwhelmed by the fear, by the uncertainty, by the unknown and the impossibility instead of responding with the faith that God has called us to. Faith like a child. Faith like a child. So Titus and I are going to arm wrestle. You ready? You ready? You know the rules? You're sure? Okay. All right. I need you to put your arm up here. Can you put your arm up here? Yeah. Put your, arm on, put your elbow on there. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not getting to do that, but that's fine. They all think you're going to win anyways. So, all right. You ready? All right, we're going to count down. Okay, you're set. Do you think you can beat me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Really? <laughs> you, think you, can, you think you're stronger than me? You do. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. All right, you ready? All right, three, two. They're not cheering very loud for you. Three, two, ready? Ready? One, go. I need you to push. I mean, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. I was yeah. Him. What? I was helping him. That wasn't the deal. It was him. I'm, I'm up against him. Oh, sorry. Okay. All right. All right. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Push as hard as you can. What are you, hey, 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 hey. What are you doing? That's not the deal. That's not. This is him. This is between me and him, right? Yeah. You don't want dad's help, right? Yes or no? Oh, okay. All right. You think you can take All right. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> yeah, you beat me. See, the thing that we oftentimes forget is that God is right in the middle of whatever's going on in our life. Because as a child of God, your heavenly father is always right there in the middle of what's happening. So when you show up to a fight and you show up to a battle, you're never alone. Dad's always watching. And when the countdown begins and the fight is on, he always steps in and he always intervenes to fulfill his word and his promise that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Amen? Amen? Good job. Thank you, bud, so much. You can go, you can go sit with Dad. Keep him in line over there, okay? All right. So I, want, so I wanted to share that illustration with you because I think it's important for us as the church to realize that there are m many times, numerous times, where the trials and the circumstances of our situation are going to seem so much bigger and so much more overwhelming. It's not a fair fight between me and Titus. And everybody knows that, even though y'all didn't admit it. Everybody knows that it's not really a fair fight. 
And in life, a lot of times, it never seems like it's a fair fight. It seems like it's one thing after the next, one impossibility after the next, one unexpected after the next. And if we're not careful as believers, we will lose faith by keeping our eyes fixed on our situation instead of remembering the Word of God and His plan, His purposes, and His promises for our lives. I'm here to remind us this morning, church, don't settle for the present. Contend for His promise as your future. Don't settle for the present. Contend for His promise as your future. Understand that God has plans to prosper you. God has plans to bless you. God has plans to give you a hope and a future. In the battle with David and Goliath, it wasn't that David was stronger than Goliath. It is that God showed up in the middle of an impossible situation and kept His word and His promise to His people. God will not fail you, and He will not go back on his word. In your fight and in your trial, in your valley and in your impossibility, don't set up camp and settle there. Continue to contend for his promise and his word in your life. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 through 7 and 10 through 14 illustrate the Israelites having been in a state of captivity. But I love that in those first few verses that we read of Jeremiah 29, God tells them to settle there. And when he says settle there, what he's saying is go ahead and live as I have called you to live. Live as I have planned for you to live. Experience the glory of my presence, of my promise, of my purpose in your life. Go ahead and plant gardens and eat what grows from them and pray and believe for the peace and the prosperity of where you are because in it you too will experience the prosperity. Friends, while we're here on this earth, God has called you and I not to settle for what we see the enemy doing and creating division and chaos and uncertainty, to not settle for the reports and the news and the information that's so easily and readily available at our fingertips, but to stand as the church and say, for such a time as this, in the midst of all the darkness and uncertainty. God has set his church as the light of the world, as the salt that will preserve the will and the promises of God to see his kingdom come and his will being done. Tell your neighbor you're the light of the world. Tell your neighbor you're the light of the world. Every single person in this place is watching it online. You are the light of the world as the church of Jesus Christ. You and I are called to preserve the plan and the purposes of God. To see His kingdom come and His will being done. He said when He was establishing the church that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Friends, if we fix our eyes on what we can see, we'll settle for where we are every time. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, there's a shift that begins to take place. Because with childlike faith, we begin to realize that it doesn't matter how big our situation or our circumstance is, how strong or impossible our adversary, the enemy, is. When our Father shows up in the middle of the chaos and the uncertainty, He always has a plan for victory. He always has a plan for victory. Three things I want to share with you this morning of how we cannot surrender to the present but contend for His promises for our future. The first one is this. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Galatians Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse number 26. It says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed 
clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promises that God gave to Abraham are the promises that are for you today. Do not settle for the chaos. Do not settle for the lies of the enemy that say your present is all there is in this life. That your present is all there is to being in a relationship and in fellowship with God. Because friends, I'm here to tell you today that as a believer in Jesus, as a son, as a daughter of God, the best is yet to come in your life. The best that God has in store for you and the best that he has in store for his church is yet to come. And there's something powerful that happens when as the church we remember that we are the children of God, that we are on this earth for such a time as this to see the power and the truth and the purpose of God revealed on the earth when it looks like the enemy is at his best. Friends, can I tell you that God is doing far more and far greater than the enemy could have ever imagined. And he's positioning and he's preparing and he is helping his people to be aligned for the pouring out of his spirit and his glory as we see his kingdom come and we see his will being done on the earth. Romans chapter 8 verses 15 through 17 says the spirit you received the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The beautiful thing about understanding who we are is that it unleashes a confidence and faith to realize that I'm not living for my own will, my own purposes, or my own dreams, but I'm living for the plan, for the dreams, for the will of God in my life. Tell your neighbor, I'm a child of God. Any person that has believed that Jesus is Christ that He is Lord, that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah that came. Any, belie- any person that has believed that, has repented of their sins, has been grafted into the family of God, and has been given the right to be called a child of God and to experience the fulfillment of the promises of God in their life. The problem that we have today is that too often times we forget who we are. We suffer an identity crisis because we begin to respond to the situations around us according to the way of the world and our natural nature as man instead of as the Son of God and according to the Spirit of God that now lives within our life. There's a shift that happens when you begin to see yourself as a child of God. When you and I begin to pray and you and I begin to respond to situations as a child of God, not according to the standards or the way that the world would call us to respond, but to look at these situations and process them with the Holy Spirit and to realize and to understand that it's in these moments that God oftentimes shows up and pours out His glory to fulfill His will and to fulfill His plan and to to fulfill His promises on the earth. Tell your neighbor, you got to know who you are. Tell your neighbor, you got to know who you are. You have to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you'll never be able to take on the impossible situations in your life. Every time we will surrender to our present because we feel that it's too big or too impossible and we miss out on the miracle of God's promise and His plan for His children.
The beautiful thing about knowing that you are a child of God is knowing the plan that He has and the purpose that He's established for your life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The plans, the promises, the purposes that God has for you and I, the plans, the promises, and the purposes that God has established for your life are based on the identity that you and I have as a child of God. Every single day, God wants to spend time with you. Any parent, any parent that loves the Lord, that fears the Lord, loves, loves like He loves in the lives of their children. What, what do parents want more than anything? They want to spend time with their kids. I'll never forget growing up, you know, mom, mom and dad, there would be times that they would want us to just stay at home. And I would say, well, what are we going to do tonight? Well, we're just going to stay at home. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, I just like it when you're here. Okay. As, as, a, as a teenager, you're ready to go. You're ready to go hang out with your friends. You're ready to go hang out with family. You're ready to go do things. There's, but parents, your, your parents want you, your parents want you there. Why? Because they enjoy your presence. Why? Because they love you and they want to spend time with you. And, and, and through, that, through that season of life, there's that, there's that part of us that wants to go. We want to, we want to go do the next thing and, 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 and be in the next thing. But there's something that happens in that moment of spending time with your parents that develops and continues to develop the relationship that you have with them. The same is true with God. God loves to just be with you. It's the reason why he sent his son, so that the sin factor was no longer a factor in order for him to experience and have fellowship with you because he wants to spend every day with you. The word that he's written is a word that he's written to you to reveal to you and to I the promises and the plans and the purposes that he has for our lives so that when those things that are happening in our world and those things that are happening in our lives don't line up with the word, we can contend for his promise and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a child of God. I won't settle for this situation in my life. I won't settle for these situations or these circumstances in my life. I won't settle for these situations or these circumstances in my city, in my state, in my nation, in this world. As a child of God, I stand on what his word and his promises are, and I will contend according to his word and according to the power and the promises of it in my life because I am a child of God, and he has placed me on this earth for such a time as this. You have a destiny and a purpose, and you were created in his image. There are things that he has placed within you as his child and things that he is developing in your life, even in this season, in order to fulfill his plan for the earth. Secondly, this morning, how can I, how can I continue to contend for his promise and not settle uh, or surrender to the present? The second, second way I could do that is to seek God with all of my heart, to seek God with all of my heart. If you look at, uh, at verses, uh, verses 12 through 13, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me in Jeremiah chapter 29 and listen, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring, bring you back to the place for which I carried you into exile. You know, we, 
We know what Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. When we seek God with all of our heart, what happens is we position ourselves to be in a place where we encounter His best, His blessings, and His provision and His protection in our lives. When we seek Him first... What happens is everything else in our life that that unfolds, every circumstance and situation that comes after is filtered through the lens of understanding that as a child of God, there are things that we have access to that the rest of the world doesn't. And that, listen, that that isn't to say that God is only doing this for the church and for nobody else. His desire is for everyone to become the church. For them to experience the blessing and the promises that are, that are found in His Word and the promises of it. When we seek Him with all of our heart, what happens is we find Him with all of our heart. What happens is, is we begin to discover the revelations and the truth that He has in His Word for us. We stop looking at the present as a moment that's overcoming or that's overwhelming, and we begin responding by faith that fixes our eyes not on what we can see, but on what is unseen. Because we realize in His Word that what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So there are things that God is doing in this moment that may be unseen in our lives, but they're having an eternal impact and an eternal difference. That may be why God has positioned you where He's positioned you for such a time as this. Because when you walk into your... When you walk into your workplace, when you walk into your home, when you walk into your community, when you walk into those places, what you're doing is you're bringing in the love of God that is unconditional, that's full of grace. What you're doing is bringing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God that's shifting the atmosphere, that's tearing down the walls, the barriers that the enemy has for so long had established. And you're watching as God shifts, as God changes, as God transforms, as God begins to fulfill the plan and the promises that he has for your life. It's important for us as believers. It's important for us as the church to not surrender to the present, but to contend for his promises in every single area of our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, in the plans and the decisions that we're making today and that we're facing tomorrow, in every aspect, in every area. God, I know that you have a plan and Lord, I'm following you. God, I'm following you. Jesus called his disciples to follow after him. A lot of times we want God to follow our plan. <laughs> we want God to, well, here's, here's, here's the plan that I have, and, and God, here's, here's how I'd like you to, here's how I'd like to, you to make it happen. <laughs> and the truth is, is that in the dreams and the desires and the things that God has given us, his plan always brings about the best in our lives. When we try to make it happen on our own, we rob ourselves of the peace, of the joy, of the freedom, of walking 
in relationship with him and following his plan for our lives. When we insert ourselves in the middle of the planning process, we rob ourselves of the peace and of the joy of knowing that he is in control. It's hard for us to relinquish control over our lives. How many of you, you just, you, you, you like to be in control? You have no problem admitting it in, in this place. Yeah, a lot of you don't, you don't like to be in control. Either you're telling the truth or you're lying. I think a lot, I think a lot, I think a lot of times it, you know, in our life we, we're faced with, we're faced with these moments and it, and, and a lot of times it does, it depends on the situation and it depends on the circumstance, but a lot of times we, we are so naturally used to in our everyday life having control over certain things that when it comes to our identity as sons, as daughters of God, it's hard for us to relinquish control to the Lord and to follow his leading, to follow the, the steps and the direction that he's given us because a lot of times with God it doesn't make sense. But in every single one of those moments when we position ourselves before the Lord, when we seek him with everything that we have, when we're intentional, when we spend day after day, when we, when we focus and we put our heart and our attention and, and, our, and, our, and our focus on the Lord, what happens is we position ourselves to hear from heaven, to gain insight and revelation from God that positions us to experience the blessings and the promises that he's called for us and that he's desired for our world today, for us to speak the truth and the life and the healing and the freedom and the breakthrough that we need. Thirdly today, how can I not surrender to the present but contend for God's promises in my life? Thirdly, rest. Tell your neighbor, rest. Huh. Tell your neighbor, rest. In His promise, His purpose, and His plan for your life. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. One of the biggest problems that we have in the church especially in America today, in the body of the church that's in the U.S., is that we don't rest. And some of you say, Connor, we've been in a, we've been in a standard you know, quarantine. A lot of us have been off, and we've had all these things. I'm not talking about just the physical aspect, which I do believe that we need to rest. The, the, the commandment that God gave, the fourth commandment that God gave to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy wasn't talking about you being at church. It was, it was understanding that on that day, on the seventh day, that God rested from His work. And here's the deal. God designed and created your body, your mental capacity, your emotions. God created you to have a day where you rest. And the purpose of that rest is, is twofold. One, not only does it bring refreshing but it also removes and eliminates the stress and the worry and the fear and the uncertainty off of our lives that gives us the clarity to be able to walk in the wisdom and the discernment and the understanding of the revelation that the Holy Spirit is giving us in everyday life. Rest is essential because if we don't rest, we tend to take control. Rest in His promise, His purpose, and His plan. Just because you may have been off doesn't mean that you've rested. 
If your mind is spinning 100 million miles in 15 different directions of trying to figure out how you're going to handle what's in front of you and the circumstances that are ahead of you, you're robbing yourself of the peace that God intended you to have as a child of God. And what happens in those moments is our mind and our emotions and our heart begins to focus on everything that's happening in front of us and around us, and we forget who we are. We forget to seek God with everything that we have, with all of our heart, fixing our attention on Him every single day, making Him our focus, making Him our drive, filtering everything in our life through Him and who He's called us to be and the purposes and the plans that He has, not the chaos and the uncertainty that's unfolding around us, but His purpose and His plan in our life. And what happens is if we can't rest in His purpose, if we can't rest in His promise, if we can't rest in His plan, then we never have peace. The thing that we're, we're missing so much out on today is the peace of God. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that when I don't know if I have a job four or five weeks from now, if I don't know where the finances are going to come for me to be able to take care of what I need in my life right now, when I don't know if my marriage is going to make it, if my child is going to make it, if I don't know what my health is going to look like three months from now or four months from now, it's this peace that comes from the Lord in the moment of knowing what His Word and His promise and His purpose is for my life and that He has a plan that surpasses all understanding, that even in all of that uncertainty and all of that impossibility that I'm reminded that God is still on the throne and that he's still in control and that he has the last say. He has the final word over every area of my life. His word says there is healing. His word says there's redemption. His word says there's restoration. His word says there is freedom. His word says there is salvation. His word says that when I call on his name that he answers and so all I know is that while I may not be able to figure out what's next or what ne what's next looks like when I'm not sure and I'm uncertain about what I'm facing and what I'm up against, the one thing I know is that God is alive and that He's on the throne and that He's in control and that behind the scenes in all of this chaos, He is unfolding His master plan. And while it may look like a mess right now, I'm here to tell you that there's a beautiful masterpiece that the author and the creator of life is about to unveil and reveal in your life and in your world today. Church, don't surrender to the present, but contend for his promise as your future. He said that he would bless you. He said that he would pour out his favor and his blessings on your life, that he would provide, that he would heal, that he would restore, and that he would redeem. Don't settle or surrender until you see the fulfillment of his promise. In the meantime, just remember who you are as a child of God. Continue to seek Him with all of your heart and then rest in His purpose. Rest in His promise. Rest in His plan and know that the best is yet to come. That as Paul said, whether I live or whether I die, I've got Jesus. And if I don't live but I die, I've got eternity with Him. It's far better. So I've got peace on this world. And I've got the promise and the life of eternity with him out of this world. So what do I have to fear today? What do I have to worry today? What do I have to doubt today in my situation and in my circumstance? God is far greater. God is far bigger. Because he is the God 
who does the impossible. He still moves and he still works and he's still fulfilling his plan, his purpose, and his promises today. You and I have got to rest. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. Listen, it's not by works that you're saved. The works that we do come out of the love and relationship that we have with God. But if works becomes the defining factor of your relationship with the Lord, you are robbing yourself of the love and the peace and the joy that comes from being in fellowship with Him. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be sacrifices. Amen? There's going to be sacrifices. The, the, the plan that God has for us, there's going to be times where we, are, where we are sacrificing. Jesus called us to serve. Loving, listen, loving people is serving. That was the loudest amen that I've had in a long time. I'm just kidding. If you're online, one person said it's true. Loving people is serving. You know know why people of my generation today, why marriages don't last? It's because they don't understand that love is serving. Love is sacrificial. You go from being your own person doing your own thing to stepping into a relationship with somebody and it becomes about, it becomes about love, which is unconditional, which requires sacrifice. We talk about the love of God and the love that He had for us. He died for us. In the Word, He said, lay down, Husbands, lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down His life for the church. <laughs> It's about, it's, listen, love is about sacrifice. And it requ- when you love somebody, it will cost you something. And what God has called you and I to in this earth for such a time as this, it will cost us something. But when we love people and we serve people, even when it's not convenient, even when it doesn't fit into our routine or our schedule, and we follow what God has said and the plans and the purposes and the promises that He's established, and we rest in that love, man, we position ourselves to experience so much blessing from God that is out of this world. We continue to love and serve and give and pray and do, and then we lay the burdens, the weights, the heaviness the uncertainty of the world that's on our shoulders at the feet of Jesus. And we walk in the freedom and in the peace that He's purposed for our lives. Don't surrender the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the promises of God to your present situation. Contend for them as a child of God, seeking Him with all of your heart and resting in His Word and His promise for your life. Because, friends, I'm here to tell you, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come in your life. The best is yet to come in this church. The best is yet to come in our world. The best is yet to come because God's plan, His Word, is still being fulfilled on this earth. The best is yet to come. First John Chapter 5, I know I've, a, I've read a lot of scriptures today. But the, the word of God is important to our lives. It's essential to our lives. It, it, it's, it's the foundation of God's, of God's plan and of his purposes in our hearts and in our lives. I, I really um, would like, as a church, I would really like for us to go through uh, reading the Bible um, in one year. 
I know there's, I know there's a lot that, that, that have read a lot from the Word of God, and, and I know many have read through the whole Bible before, but I know there's a lot that haven't. And I would love for us as a church to journey through that together. And so the staff and I are working and, and have been working on a, on a plan for us to be able to do that as a church, to go through and have that plan so that we can do that together um, and just kind of share some of the, the awesome revelations that God has. It's so cool to watch the Word of God come alive. To be reading the Word of God and for the Lord to just start showing you such cool revelation and such awesome truths. And a lot of times the enemy wants to say, well, you, you can't do that. You know, you're, you're not a preacher. You're not a teacher. You're, not a, you're a child of God. This Word is for you. This Word is for you. And if you'll let the Holy Spirit, He'll share with you some awesome revelations. And so I just, I, I've really had it on my heart for us to do that as a church. And so over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see that, that plan coming out and how you can be a part, how you can be involved in that. And uh, because I want us to do it together, because the Word is our, it's our foundation. It's, it's the driving force of our lives. It's essential to our lives as a believer. It's what gives us the confidence to rest, to lay the weight of the world and the burdens and the uncertainties of our life at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, I trust you at these far more than I trust myself, far more than I trust anyone else, far more than I trust any other entity or place. God, I trust you, and so I, I lay these at your feet. But the key to, the key to all of that, of being able to, to rest, is understanding that we have to believe that Jesus is who He said He is, and that He does what He said He will do. First John chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves His child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is that? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you remember John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this life you will face many trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. This powerful revelation in 1 John chapter 5, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe do you believe that Jesus is who He said He is and that He'll do what He said He would do? If you believe, friends, I'm telling you, there's a peace that God gives that lifts those burdens and those weights. But it's not a one-time deal. Salvation, our relationship with God is not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing relationship with God. When, when, you, when you have a relationship with someone and you take the time to invest in, and to develop in that relationship, it's an ongoing thing. You continue to grow and to learn together. And it's an amazing process, but especially with the Lord, because God reveals himself and continues to reveal himself and show us incredible things and powerful truths from his word. Tell your neighbor, I believe. Tell your neighbor, I'm not surrendering. If you walked into this place today, or you joined us online today, and you have had the weight of the world on your shoulders, you have felt the, the battle 
that's going on in our world today. I'm not talking about just the physical things that you can see or hear. I'm talking about the spiritual. The, the, the word's clear. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities of darkness. Your fight's not with your neighbor. Your fight's not with, not, not with your family. Your fight's not with... Your fight's with the enemy. And he's taking advantage of every opportunity that he can and every scheme that he can to challenge your faith so that you will surrender to the present and not contend for his promise as your future. But for such a time as this, God has called you and I to contend for his promise, to see his kingdom come and his will be done.